how you deal with those choices is is you know um, going back to what were the hard things and what were the easy things it was really just i was probably the the biggest obstacle in the way i didn't i didn't have a skill set i had to learn a skill set <clears throat> did i want to learn a skill set Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Jake, and you are listening to The Success Shift, a show where perfection does not exist, but learning and growth take center stage. Have you ever felt stuck, like you're doing all the work but not getting the results? Maybe you feel like there's something missing. Perhaps there is some sort of internal shift that's needed to really get you to that next stage of success. Well, buckle up and join me as we jump into the minds of those who have been successful in their field and dive a little deeper into what is actually needed to get you to that next level. Is success just a state of mind? Does believing you're successful act as a catalyst to greater success? Is it something we can work on, or are some people just luckier than others? No matter what you're into or where your passion lies, if you're wanting change or a shift in perspective, then you are definitely going to want to tune in. That's right, we have made it to episode 10. And what better way to round out the first 10 episodes than with some wise words from the sensei. This week, I get the pleasure of talking with one of my personal mentors and inspirations, Phil Tanita, a man who has helped hundreds of people find a way to earn a fairly decent residual income from the comfort of his home. I always take something fairly profound away from my conversations with Phil, and this one is no different. So grab your notepads and listen closely as we discuss some of the biggest obstacles that Phil has had to face on his journey thus far. Streams, making sure the stream is running live. Alrighty, looks like we are live on Facebook and on YouTube. So Alrighty, everybody, welcome, welcome. We're a couple minutes early today. Um, we are live here for episode 10 of the Success Shift, and I'm very, very excited to be with my guest today, Mr. Phil Tanita. He has been an inspiration to me and many, many others. He's actually the reason that I am where I am today. If it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be on this path, learning the things I'm learning, and probably wouldn't even have this show going. So I have to thank you for that. Mr. Phil, it's Tanita, Mr. Tanita, sorry, Mr. Phil. Phil, how has your day been? You said you had a lot of learning done today. You had a good good day so far? Uh, yes. Um, you know, my regular routine is uh, up at uh, 5.30 a.m., my time on the west coast of Canada, and uh, prepare my mind for trading, uh, start to scope the markets out at 6 a.m., and uh, 6.30, we're on it, and uh, trade for an hour or two, maybe an hour and a half, maybe two, and uh, close my computer and done for the day. And that's my morning routine in my first couple of hours. That's awesome. So, that's uh, nice to be done done for the day at such a time. So thank you very much for joining me. You must have just uh, finished up your morning routine because it's probably yep. nine o'clock there now, right? Yep. So thank you so much. Here on the Success Shift, we do aim to get inside the minds of the people who have been successful or believed to be successful. And um, I'm very, very grateful to be having someone like yourself on today. You know, six figure, what I believe to be the dream, you know, six figure big businessman working from home and from your phone, traveling all around the world. It must have been a bit of a journey to get where you are today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your story sort of before you sort of got to the position where you are today, maybe before you sort of found this online venture? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know, I was um, in, in my conscience, I was working and doing what I knew. That, those were the uh, fences built around me. Um, you know, get a good education, get a good job. Well, good education for me was barely getting out of high school. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so academia wasn't me, but having fun and inviting all my friends to the party and having a good time and, and skiing and, and riding motorcycles and doing all the great things that, you know, was fun for me. Um, just is how I kind of lived my life. And uh, then I thought, well, 
you know, this working for a living, uh, going uh, eight hours a day and being told when to have lunch and when to take a break. And, you know, when I could, uh, when I had to show up and when I, when I had to leave, uh, you know, that, that whole regimen kind of made me think, what am I doing with myself? So I decided to go into business for myself. Now I knew nothing about business. I just didn't know. I just knew that I could work for somebody. And so um, I, I owned my first business at 21 years old and I owned a auto body shop, detail shop. And so um, I went through the whole apprenticeship program and through that learning how to learn a skill set with your hands, um, you know, somebody would show you how to do it. You would go to school for a certain period of time and get the um, the academics under you. And then you'd go apply that knowledge. And and that's what I learned at a, a reasonably early age. I call 21 an early age. Um, but I had no idea how to run a business. Like I had no idea. I had great customers and I was a friendly guy and everything, but those little back things where, you know, you, you hire people out and, and stuff like that. And all that was foreign to me. And I learned as I walked along the path, And uh, so that path kind of rumbled along and a few potholes here and there, a few bumps in the road and so on. And uh, I realized that I, I again hit a level where it was being self-employed really just created my own job. And uh, the second thing that I, I uh, had to learn was how to scale out. And then what brought me to this was, you know, I, I have a, I own a factory and I have employees and, you know, I make custom hardwood floors, et cetera, et cetera. But in that experience, it was, if I wasn't applying myself, then the business wouldn't run. And yeah. so again, another level of scale. And to answer your question, pardon me, I have a bit of a dry throat, so I'll take a drink of water once in a while. Yeah, but, no worries. But what brought me to this point to answer your question is that um, I I realized that I was in a a hamster wheel, just a bigger one going around (laughs) and around. (laughs) And I hadn't created a residual income. And I recognized that as my parents got older, um, I watched them. And what I recognized was they didn't have cash flow. They didn't have a residual income. And I asked my mother, who's still alive now at 88, I said, who taught you about money? And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, her father certainly didn't. He was a, he was a Christian minister. And, uh, and um, so they lived poor because their mindset was poor and that that's how they lived. And um, so what brought me to this was that I, I recognized the uh, potential where a customer could win and a a marketer could win. Both people could be on the same side of the winning fence. And usually in in, um, a scenario, you have a winner and a loser. And that's how how we're raised and we know. Somebody wins, somebody loses, right? But in this particular company, it's set up so that everybody can win. And that, I recognize that. And that really attracted me to this particular company. Um, because, mm-hmm. like so 80 so in my model i in in, in my team about 83 to 84 five percent uh of all of my um members are customers just regular customers and yeah. of those people uh we have a tremendous amount of of winners and uh, using the products and doing uh, some unbelievable uh, numbers now um, through compliance of our company, uh, they want to stay um, well above and uh, take the high road. So we don't share those kinds of numbers, but they're they're pretty they're pretty astounding. Pretty <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's interesting what you said there. Um, going back to how you said your your mother grew up poor because her mindset was poor. You know, like she you sort of get stuck in that that loop of you know what you know because you're taught by the people above you. And if your mindset is of a poor family, then it's really hard to sort of break out of that. And I think it's really important that if you want to have that shift to a successful career or successful, I suppose, 
financial literacy, then you have to do a lot in the mindset to change that. To change that. What would you say your journey through the things you know in your mind and, and what you've been teaching yourself through mindset stuff, how has that come along? How have you changed in that aspect from a 21-year-old auto shop you know, um, business owner to now a sort of financially free um, business owner from home? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know what I recognized? Um, a lot of what happens is to explain it is environment. So, you know, as a, as a kid, you don't know any better because you trust that your parents are, are giving you the best that they can. And that's what they do. They give you the best advice that they can. Yeah. But if you were to look at that, um, you know, with a, with an eye discerning eye of, well, questioning it, let's just question things. Then, you know, simply, uh, spoken when I asked my mother who taught you about finances and really um, she she had didn't know anything about finance I mean really nothing yes yeah, it, when uh, <laughs> uh, okay so uh, I, I think we're talking about environment and um, the people around you and um, my mother, when I when I asked her about who who taught her about finances, and I realized she really had many. So, um, as well, and uh, that transfers over to the people you surround yourself as well. So. Um, I recognize to answer your question, I recognize that, you know, I needed to be around better people. I needed to be around people who were wanting uh, more out of life. And success, you know, is not just a number. Um, success is what your fulfillment is, is yep. living in your purpose. So be clear that, you know, just because you have a, you know, a million or 10 million or 100 million, you could be the saddest, loneliest person on the planet, and you have not achieved success because you've got a lot of zeros in your bank account. Totally agree. Now, if you don't have any, have any zeros in your bank account, you also don't want to turn your back on that and say, well, I don't need it. Mm -hmm. Well, then what is your purpose and where are you going and what do you want? And, you know, to dive a little deeper into that psychology, we want security. Yeah, I think so. so. If, you're not, if you're not secure yet, then you have to figure out how to get at least to there. So, and That's then uh, as you grow, as you grow, you're looking to, um, you know, add value and be able to share and bless other people. And when you think about who is it that you love and who is it that you'd want to help, just, you know, look around and what could you do if you did have, bunch of zeros in your bank account yeah with a, with a few digits in front of it you know yeah, it, it makes it makes a massive difference actually i want i love what you said before it's you know i feel like i came from a very good family you know my parents did the best they could to educate me they sent me to a school they told me engineering was the best route to go and i was really mm -hmm. grateful for that but that's because they taught me the best of what they know they didn't mm -hmm. get taught from someone who's a huge business owner or from, you know, high investors. And so being able to question that, like you said, I think is really, I suppose, profound or really a, a big shifting moment of like, you did do the best for me, but is that the best that I can do? I think it's sort of accepting the fact that, you know, your parents do all they can for you, but sometimes they their, their knowledge is limited. So you have to go somewhere else. And as you said, surround yourself by other people who do want bigger, who do want more. And with that, um, having those extra zeros, that security is massive. And once you've got yourself secured, then you can start to help other people, as you're saying. And I was listening to a podcast just the other day, and they were talking about how, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. And the guy in response was, well, it does. You just haven't given enough of it away yet. And I thought that was really quite strong because, you know, material things don't necessarily buy you happiness, but having enough money to share with others, to give value, to provide for others that you care about, I think that provides a lot of happiness. And I think that sort of goes on the, the basis of what you're saying is give value, you know, have that security and share with the ones that you love. 
And in balance to that, uh, as a thought point there is, um, we, we kind of <clears throat> come from a paradigm of, you know, when we say money doesn't buy us happiness and, and things like that. And, you know, all right, try being starving poor on the street, you know, living behind a garbage dumpster. Yeah. Um, those wouldn't be the same words coming out of your mouth at that point in time, right? Exactly. So there, there's a balance, um, and that balance lies in security. And then the question is, you know, what is your purpose? And we all think about that question. What is our purpose? And you go, oh, man, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, right? So what happens is sometimes we get so dogpiled on in our environment that we we don't even look we don't even think what is our dream or you get to a stage where there is no dream it's just tomorrow's tomorrow right yeah and 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 your runway becomes shorter and shorter and shorter so that runway could be an analogy for your age it could be just an analogy for burnout true so when you start something you're excited about it and all of your energy is spent in that first moments of excitement and what it is you're going to take on. That's when, you know, the blessing starts to arrive where it's exciting and you're alive. Yeah. And you got lots of runway. <laughs> have you, have you found on your journey? So as you grow, as you develop your mindset, as you sort of branch out into this, this new person that maybe your identity is shifting, would you say that your purpose shifts as well? Um, the more you grow and the more you um, learn. Yeah, I, I would use a different word yep. from shifting because you can shift sideways or you can shift backwards. Um, and, and, you know, those aren't great directions. That's true. So, so you think about it in terms of growth. Mm -hmm. So growth is probably a, a more um, powerful word and a more fundamental word to think about and use instead of shifting. Because um, we're, we're, we're always moving. Oh, if your feet aren't moving, you're standing still. Yeah. So, you know, a tree never stops. It just grows to its max as, as it never decides, oh, okay, I'm going to only grow to this tall. No, <laughs> it, it takes in the sunshine and the, the energy and the nutrients and the rain and just grows it's as growing. big as it can, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, that that's nature. And, and we uh, tend to um, go against nature and say, well, I don't have to. Let's just turn on Netflix, right? So yeah. are you growing, right? So, um, you know, when you, when you start to question and, and think about, you know, what it is and how it is you can live in your purpose or what is your purpose or... You know, we, we need more joy and happiness in the world in case you haven't noticed over the last couple of years. So, yep. <laughs> um, you know, when I started to observe how that was affecting people and, and my friends and people around me. So, you know, oddly enough, those guys I don't spend a lot of time with or I'll simply in language cut them off and say, hey, you know what? What did you do today? That was so great. What did you see out there? Did you see that uh, sunrise or sunset? Or did you see, you know, how beautiful that is? And, and then when you use the word shift, it's somebody else that's starting to open up and see um, things that are maybe more positive than they're pulling you in this whirlpool of, you know, all the negative bad news, right? Yeah, I've exactly. watched. <laughs> think of turning off the news and looking at the little things that, I like the sunsets and the sunrise. I can't remember where I heard it, but they were talking about um, all the effects that just watching a sunrise and sunset can have on both a chemical and physical aspect. And it's so simple to do, yet we hardly ever do it. I mean, it, you go outside and for 10, 15 minutes, you can watch this beautiful sunset, but we'd never make the time for that. But yet we'll watch, you know, two hours of Netflix. And it is those small things that bring that positive energy and that good vibrations into us that really have a huge, huge difference on our life. I wish I could remember the facts that they were talking about, but just watching the sunset for that 10 minutes or the sunrise, you know, each day will have a compounding effect of your, in your life that is just amazing for, for your health 
and uh, balance. So I love that you're bringing that attention to people and just being like, did you watch the sunset? It's like, hang on, haven't done that in a while. Maybe I'll go watch it today. Maybe I'll get outside and get some sun, sun on me. If they didn't watch it, they certainly thought about it because yeah. everybody has seen a sunset. So our mind can work in a millisecond. So from that, um, just I'll take it just a just a little bit deeper is is when that person when you ask somebody that and you're trying to share something positive or that lifts them up, they they will their mind will go through the and say, oh, I see the sun, it won't go stop. It'll go part of the world on a holiday, right? So, um, you, you know, your mind can can kind of shift through the library. No, I didn't see the sunset, but, I've seen one you know, I remember one before, and yeah. that is instantly in your mind, and what happens instantly, if it made you feel good, you'll feel good. You'll, you'll have that recognition with that feeling. I think it was Dr. Joe Dispenza says that, I can't remember if it's exactly him, but he talks about how even visualizing an action um, can like trick your mind into having the same sort of reaction in chemically within the body. And so your mind or your subconscious mind doesn't know between whether you're actually seeing one or whether you're imagining one. So having that, that trigger in your brain and having that thought process can actually bring those happy endorphins and those happy feelings in a chemical aspect into the body, which I think is very powerful to do on a regular basis. Yes. And you know, that, that is coming more and more um, into our, our reality as we start to shift into subjects like the metaverse and augmented realities. This is where this is going um, because people are starting to understand how the brain functions. Now, keep in mind that, you know, you always have to think, well, you don't, but I encourage you to, is to <laughs> you know, put the word benevolent in front of, you know, any actions that you feel you're having an advantage over. So, yeah. So, you know, help people, you know, leave the place a a better place, like leave the world a better place, you know? Yeah. And if you can do that, um, you know, it just, it gets good. Yeah. And it's funny. I was speaking to someone last week that was saying, you know, some, some, so many times we don't, people don't do the 1%. Um, I think it was a picture that explained it beautifully where this little boy is grabbing starfish and he's throwing them Mm -hmm. back in the water and he runs down the beach throwing them back and some guy goes, you know, I don't know why you're doing that. You know, there's thousands of starfish on this beach. You're never going to save them all. You're not going to ever make a difference. And then he grabs one up and throws it back and goes, I made a difference to that one. And then continues on, you know. And if everyone had that sort of attitude, like if the old guy just did one, if everyone just did one, then would be, you know, 60, 70% better than everyone having the attitude of, oh, you're not going to make a difference, so I'm not even going to bother, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like that thing where if you've ever walked into a shopping, you know, um, a grocery store, for example, somebody's knocked over a bottle of something, a plastic bottle of, of hot chocolate is sitting on the ground. Now, when you first approach it and see it, you think, oh, did one, did somebody lose that? Did somebody knock it off and just leave it there ignorantly? Or, you know, was it an accident and somebody didn't notice that they did that, you know? Um, But as you're looking at that, what are you doing about it? Are you walking by and just saying, well, that's somebody else's problem? Or do you really just take two seconds, bend down, pick it up, put it back on the shelf? Yeah. Well, hundreds of other people haven't done that. Why is that? So we're really just the question, you know, why has anyone of, else? Sorry. Yeah, it's just a lack of a lack of uh, awareness and consciousness, right? Yeah. They they have no in, their intent of making the world a better place doesn't exist. Only if it benefits them. Yeah. Or if they're uh, recognized for it. I find lots of people want to mm-hmm. do better, but only if they get the recognition. Like when I, when I was in Mexico, sorry, go go on. <laughs> I was going to say when I was in Mexico, I'd go for a jog on the beach and I'd make it a habit of mine that every morning I pick up five bits of rubbish. So I'd have, you know, just a couple of handfuls, you know, I wasn't going there and changing the world, but every time I go for a jog, I pick up five bits and someone yeah. came to me and was like, why, 
why are you doing that? Why don't you get a bag and pick them all up? I was like, look, I could do that and make a big process of it. But if everyone who walked along this beach took a dog, just picked up those five bits and did that, like it's not, it's no energy out of my day. It makes very little difference. But over time, if everyone did that, this beach would look completely different. That's a lot different than going, oh, I'm going to go pick up a bag. I'm going to do a whole hour, clean up. Yes, that would be good, but it's not sustainable. Whereas just picking stuff up, having your hands full, that's it, and doing that every morning makes a massive difference. And it's just that conscious awareness of, you know, I do want to make a change. I do want to do a tiny bit that's going to add add up. Yeah, 100%. You know, it. it and uh, when you think about a hot coal and uh, it, its effect on other items around it, that's, you know, that's what we're doing. You know, yeah. if somebody sees you picking something up, they may they might not pick something up, but they may hesitate to throw something away. That's true. And and put it in the right place. So those things are important. Uh, there was a thought I want to and there was a thought I want to go back on just a few seconds ago you're talking about um people not doing something but only if they get something out of it like a praise or or somebody you know, says great job yeah. recognition, but think about where that came from. That came from when you're a child and you did something and mommy and daddy said, way to go. Yeah, you know, true, they, they, true. they praised you for doing something. Right. And uh, so that's, of course, that's the way most people think if they had parents that did that. So, you know, environmentally, yeah, we're, we're just programmed and conditioned to that. So it's getting outside the matrix and and, and kind of uh, imagining what we can do and and, and um, you know looking for things that are going to add growth. Well, that's Compound. it. You know, qu- yeah. questioning the norm and as you said, like using our imagination because we're only limited by our imagination or our beliefs of what we can do. So having the ability to question that and actually go, hang on, just because no one else has done it, why can't I? Just because no one else is picking up that cup, why shouldn't I? because no one else is picking up the rubbish why can't i and i think exactly as you're saying you know using our imagination stepping outside of that matrix that we're just so droned into and actually trying to make that that shift or that difference in the world one one bit at a time creating a new norm yeah in, in what your norm is right you yeah, think exactly. about you think about mother Teresa, and holy man yeah yeah, well, those those very influential people, they were the ones who did that. They thought outside the norm. They were like, this isn't right. This, there's got to be a way to change. And they took on the brave world and actually made those shift, shifts like that. I think it's... Yeah, well, well two things in language. Uh, they, they not only think outside the norm, but they do outside the norm. And those are two very different subjects. I like that. <laughs> Don't only think outside the norm, but do outside the norm. Sorry, just taking my notes. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Always getting some nice wisdom from the sensei. <laughs> so I want to touch on a little bit. Obviously, getting to this place wasn't a cakewalk. Getting to success levels and getting to the situation where you can be at home and travel the world doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a lot of a lot of hard work. And any level of success, I believe, takes a lot of hard work. What were some of the hardest things you sort of had to overcome, both maybe physically but also mentally, to get you to the place where you are today? Oh, that's easy myself yourself yeah that makes sense it's your I own worst enemy right form new habits. I have... oh you there yeah here's the good news in like ours is and, and yeah in this business there's 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 good news and bad news and uh the business that we're in the good news is you are your own boss mm-hmm. but here's the bad here's the bad news you are your own boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can feel that. <laughs> yeah. And so what does that mean? That means that, you know, it's, it's easy to do. It's just as hard, uh, just as easy, pardon me, not to do. Not to do, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, to answer your question, it was more about understanding the, the word you used earlier on compounding. In that 1% growth or half a percent growth or one-tenth of a percent growth every day. And once you kind of grow, um, you just you just see a new sunset from a higher vent or a different vantage point. Yeah. And so that, that's really important, changing your vision and your view because you're growing into a different 
uh, a viewpoint, a, a different vantage point, <clears throat> then, you know, more choices come to you. And yeah. so how you, how you deal with those choices is, is, you know, um, going back to what were the hard things and what were the easy things. It was really just, I was probably the, the biggest obstacle in the way. I didn't, I didn't have a skill set. I had to learn a skill set. <clears throat> Did I want to learn a skill set? You know, it's pretty easy to, to watch. Um, what's that TV? The Game of Thrones or something like that. It's pretty engaging. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and uh, those types of things, they can, they can, <laughs> they can grab a lot of time out of you. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it, you can make a list of excuses and uh, you can make a lot of money but you can't have both. Yeah. So you have to choose. Do you want to, you know, do you want to stay with your excuses? It's easy. Super easy. Here's my list of, ah, you know, I work eight hours a day. Well, there's 24 hours in a day. What are you doing with the rest of it? Mm. So now if you break it down, one exercise I didn't, and this was, uh, this was challenging, but it was a, it was certainly a growth ring was, you know, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, here's a question to you. How many minutes are in a day? How many minutes are in a day? Is it 76,000 or something? Oh, no, it's seconds. I was thinking of. 1,440 minutes in a day. Oh. Sorry, can you say that again? So, you just. You there? Yeah, just so, a bit, sorry. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not conscious, of that number then you know that is your currency that you're spending but you don't don't know end. so time is is your valuable currency and it's critical to understand what you're doing with that time and that's a huge thing to solve when you're starting to think about business is is you know, what are you doing with your time? And once you start to, uh, a super easy exercise is to um, mark your time in one day. It's just an exercise for a day. You, mm -hmm. you can do it for two or three, but, um, you know, every 15 minutes, write down what you accomplished in your last 15 minutes. Now, as you have momentum, that might be more relevant. So as you have never thought about something like this, write it down in, you know, what you did in the last half hour, or if you're just perfectly brand new, what you did in the last hour, piece of paper, book, write down, here's what I accomplished in the last hour. Mm -hmm. You'll probably have enough notes for a couple of few hours in the day time. And then the other question is, well, what could I be doing with my time? And then once you answer that question in terms of what you want to do with your time, then you'll start to, you know, move in the right direction and start to grow. Realize where you're wasting your time and where you should be spending your time doing other things you want to be doing. That's really powerful. I think that would um, open up a lot of people's eyes because I've, I've heard of time blocking where you should block out your time, even for the good things and stuff like that. But then to actually track that and see how much you follow it and what you're actually doing in the day, I think would be a bit of an eye opener to a lot of people. I know I went through phases where I thought I was doing a lot and I realized I was doing a lot of things, but only maybe 2% of that was productive things that I actually yeah. should have been doing. And it takes a while to realize that, that you're spending your time doing a lot of things that maybe aren't the most productive for your business or for your growth. I have a saying on my whiteboard here, yeah. front and center that I look at every day and it says, do not confuse effort with results. Do not confuse effort with results. I like that because it's true. I think <laughs> sometimes you're working so hard, you're not getting any results. And they're definitely not the same. That's, that's, that's very interesting. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to write that up on, on my, wall as well and keep it somewhere in focus because i think often like i said we do have those times where like we're working all these things but we're not working on the right things and we're not putting our attention and focus fully onto the things we need to be doing to be moving our business forward or to be moving our goals forward and i think if we can focus on that it's going to make a bit of a difference so that's definitely going to be my takeaway to move forward in <laughs> into the next month or, or the process could be to discover 
what moves your business forward. You know, what, what, and in some cases, if it's not, if we're not talking about business, you can discover what it is that makes you happy. You know, happy is also a very important part of success. You don't have to be miserable, lonely, and nasty to other people to be successful. That's <laughs> kind of the opposite, right? Yeah, so, that's, it. that's the misconception of rich people who are always so grumpy and yeah. miserable and nasty, but it does not have to be that way, I think. No, no. If you look at truly, uh, like I was at a, um, a birthday party for uh, a four-year-old uh, a niece's daughter, mm-hmm. and you know, I observed success everywhere. Um, now, these were people that had jobs installing hot tubs or working labor and construction. And, you know, I said to this this one guy, actually the father, and I said, man, you know, I really praised him on his success of being a great father. Mm-hmm. And this was, a, this was a guy who had spent significant time in prison. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... You know, we really, t- he just sent me a message less than, you know, 10 minutes ago, uh, three minutes prior to getting on this podcast. He just, for the first time ever, just reached out to me and sent me a message. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was kind of interesting. So, um, you know, when you connect with people um, and, you know, it's interesting that this fellow sent me a message and said, would you help me with something? You know, he wants to know a bit more about cryptocurrencies. Yep. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, so of course I'm going to help him. That's awesome. But, you know, somebody, somebody like that who doesn't have a lot of social skills, doesn't talk to people, like he barely said 10 words, uh, but I was watching him and, I, and, and to tell him that he was a great father, uh, it, you know, first time, I seen, first time I seen him smile the whole evening. <laughs> oh, nice. That's awesome, man. I love when you have those moments where you say something that just generally comes from your heart and you just yeah. a genuine com- compliment or statement and you can see when it really touches someone and it's just like, wow, that means so much because what is the stat that people only get comp- you know praised for like 15 minutes in their lifetime or something? It's ridiculous. People don't aren't used to being complimented and being appraised and when they do get a genuine one, I think it can really, really hit people hard and it's a great thing to share it's a great thing to give to people as well that that feeling of wow someone truly recognized it and it makes me feel amazing i think at the very each least of us have the same, each of us have the same amount of time in the day 1440 minutes yep. out of the 1440 minutes in a day how many uh, of, of those minutes did you take to compliment somebody yeah. Even if you're just going to the grocery store and that person's working their butt off, can you imagine standing there putting items through and ringing it in eight hours a day, like <laughs> tens of thousands of items? Like, what does your hands and wrists feel like? Like, what is how how numb is your mind from doing that repetition day after day, sometimes year after year, sometimes yeah. decade after decade? So that person needs a compliment. That neat person needs recognition because their boss certainly isn't doing it. Their boss is just glad that somebody's willing to do that for that amount of money. <laughs> it really puts it in perspective, doesn't it? When you when you run the numbers like that, and what is it? One minute out of your day, thirty seconds. You know that can make their whole day. And if they got that every day, then they're going to be able to stay in that job a lot longer than if they weren't getting it. And it's such a small part out of our day, making such a big difference in someone else's day. And often that boss, can sort of boss do nothing. Yeah. It's completely free and often it cascades as well because they might go home in a good mood to their partner as a home. Guess what happened to me today? You know, all their positive energy and vibrations onto the next person. And then that helps, you know, helping a person sort of second to the person you directly help. So I think it's really hot call. Yeah, that's it. The hot call. There you go. So my next question is I have this theory of the fact that, you know, success is kind of a state of mind and that believing you're successful can actually act as a catalyst into further success. Would you say that Mm -hmm. there was a point in your time where you were like, okay, now I'm successful. Do you think you're not reached that point? Or if you did reach that point, do you think that actually helped your growth? And once you sort of had that decision in your mind? Mm, It's an interesting question. Um, I, I've always trained like in martial arts, um, 
it's a beginner's mindset. Mm-hmm. So everything is a, um, everything comes from a beginner's mindset. That's why you're still reaching for knowledge. Yep. And the moment you stop reaching for knowledge is the moment that you create a lid, you put a lid on your brain <clears throat> and you certainly don't want that. You, you, we're, we are limitless. Definitely. Yeah. I actually have that written down there. So, you know, we are limitless. And uh, if, if you're going to be limitless, then uh, I don't have uh, things where I think of uh, this is uh, a finish line. Like you said, you know, is there a moment when you said, okay, you're successful and whatever? Um, no, no. There, there's a point when you uh, can recognize a bit of security. Mm-hmm. But if you let complacency leak in, uh, you're done. You're going backwards for sure. I see. And it, I see. it can be slow or it can be very quick. And you see it with successful, uh, you see it with people that shoot very quickly and, and they become overnight sensations. And then what happens when they fall out of the sky? They just got complacent, right? Yeah, right. But it's like, the, like they say on the charts, you know, the fast moves are the false moves. If you get moving up fast, you're crashing down fast, but the slow, gradual moves staying within the Com- compounding yeah that's it back to that compounding exactly so lastly before we get into my final two questions because i've always got final two two questions but did you have a time limit for sort of where you were at where, where you wanted to get to now did you say okay by this time i want to be here or did you just sort of let the yes. process take it yes okay there you go because the reason i ask this question is because sometimes i feel for some people um that added stress can make them flustered and frustrated and they end up not making their, their final mark and then getting all frazzled and, you know, falling apart. Whereas some people just fall in love with the process and they just keep going and then eventually they get to this, this level. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of those and, and look, I'm not, I'm not a guru or anything like that. I, I'm answering the question from a personal, personal perspective because that's the way my brain thinks. Of course. So, um, you know, if I'm in a race and I've got so much time to get there, then my brain goes into uh, fright or flight, right? Mm-hmm. So fight or flight or whatever it's called. Yeah, I think it's fight, fight or flight. Fight or flight, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, if, if I'm getting close to that moment where I've got to write a test, what am I going to do? And what do most people do? They study like crazy the night before. guilty of that could they have studied a little bit a week before and actually learned it and then a little bit you know six days before five four three days before and then gone into the test with confidence rather than viewing the test as just something we want to get to a certain mark and never have to think about it again right so what did so we have this paradigm uh, you know, this, this contradiction actually between learning or just achieving. Mm-hmm. So achieving a score on that test, but really knowing or learning the material. Yeah. And so we kind of, sometimes we can run our lives like that thinking, you know, I've got to get to this point and so on and so forth, but it depends how you think. If you are competitive by nature, then definitely you want, and I'm very competitive. So, um, you know, I've got to set a timeline. I got to look at that timeline. I got to feel that clock ticking down on me and I got to get to there. Now, if I get frustrated and whatever, then I'm asking myself the wrong questions. I'm thinking the wrong things. So if I'm excited about getting that and I'm getting closer to it, then I know I'm thinking the right things and things are moving in the right direction and the flow is starting to happen. I see. But when, but when it's not, that means... Uh, it's an inverse pyramid. I'm at the bottom of it, not at the top of it. I'm at the bottom of it. So I got to figure my way through that. And so, you know, growing into your growing into to learning the right questions or growing into understanding what makes you tick, you know, back, back to my biggest problem, um, you know, is me. Yourself. Right? Yeah, exactly. Understanding yourself. Yeah. So, and, and here's a recent thing. Uh, thing that I've done, and and this might help you. Uh, I just know it helped me. Is that 
you know, you look into the palm of your hand, put it right in front of your face like that and say, I love you. I love you. <laughs> it feels weird. It feels weird, right? Now yeah. pat yourself on the back with that. Right? That's a weird, it's a weird, it does. It feels awkward. It feels strange, but it, yeah, it's, it's good as well though. Yeah. yeah. You can do this. I like that. I, I'm going to have to, I don't think I've ever done that before in my life, but I'm going to have to, uh, implement a few more times and see if I can give myself that on the back. <laughs> I really, really loved what you said before. And it sort of opened my eyes up a little bit because I never looked at it this way in the terms of doing a test. Cause I was at university for eight years and I did exactly what you said. It was like tests here, got to get the pass mark, got to get the score. And then we're on to the next thing, but taking it back a step and doing that, why don't I actually learn it rather than just achieve it and actually having that knowledge there and, you know, asking yourself the right questions when you're not, when you're feeling flustered or you're feeling rushed or you're feeling like it's getting too much, you're obviously asking the wrong questions or asking yourself to be doing the things that aren't the right thing for that task. And I think that's really, really interesting to look at it in that way because it does, it shifts the whole perspective of, of your accomplishments to being a learned process rather than an achievement. The first thing we have to learn is how to unlearn. Yeah. I love that. I, I think one thing I took away from uni was it taught me how to learn. Mm -hmm. I got my engineering degree. Yeah. But the one thing yeah. I really got from it was learning how to learn, but I definitely have not learned how to unlearn. That is something that I still <laughs> have not learned, which is a kind of contradictory in itself. I haven't learned how to unlearn. So, but I think I'll have to, um, have to try and put that into practice a bit. If we've created a container and no more room in it, um, then learn more. You have to make, make room so you can get the right knowledge in rather than the old, you know, the, the cast of, uh, what's it called? The show you're talking about. You know, we, we, we might sorry, change the container and put more knowledge in there. True. Bigger container. Big, more knowledge makes sense. All right, Phil, it's been absolutely amazing. I really appreciate having you on and spending the time with me. I do have two final questions, which I like to ask everyone. And okay. the, the very first question is, if you were to go back to your 17 year old self, what would you tell yourself? What bit of advice would you give? If any? Oh, oh that's funny. I don't know if I could publicly tell, tell that, uh, answer <laughs> that question truthfully. So. So I'll, I'll give you uh, something that has sort of the wisdom of Tao. And uh, <laughs> at 17, I would have, uh, I would, I would have said, believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. I would have said, if I could say to myself back then, I would uh, open, I would give statements that would empower my 17 year old self to think um, outside of my friends and my parties and my motorcycle. Yeah, you know, I know that feeling because it was just pure junkie, yeah. you know, just, just had to, just had to do whatever was crazy. And, <laughs> and that, that was fun. Right. And, um, not to be cautious. That's not what I would have said. I would have, I would have, have told myself to think bigger. Yeah. I think that's powerful thinking bigger because we, we only know what we know at that age and we sort of are limited by our environment, as you were saying earlier. And if we can think outside of that, then at that age, you know, you've got a huge world that you can take advantage of. I think that's yeah. Amazing. We're like, we're like the guy that won the lottery and just doesn't, isn't even conscious of anything, just spends it like it's like it's water. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's what we're like, you know, we have all this energy, this youth, this brilliance, everything going on. And we're, we're spending that, we're spending that time uh, like water. It's nothing. Yeah. Not realizing that it is val as valuable as it is. That's funny. Yeah. Right. Question number two, which often stumps some people, but if you could have the answer to any question in the world, the complete truthful answer, what would that question be? Am I happy? Are you happy? I like that. I haven't heard that response. So you would like to know if you're truly happy or sorry, if you are happy. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to know that because we always question ourselves, you know, are you, 
are you affected um, by all the outside environment around you? You know, are you in war with all the negativity? Well, then if if you are at war, you're sort of in a negative state. So, mm. you know, to to answer your question, you know, um, what what is happiness? Where are you? You know, what is if I knew uh, knew that and was cognitive enough of that, mm-hmm. um, then that would be a good thing to know. Yeah, is this is this right now this very moment? Is this the happiness that that is? I think it'd be an interesting concept, really knowing if that because I think you, as you're saying, you, you kind of it changes a little bit. Well, for me, it's like is is this happiness or is this truly happiness or you know am I just being let's falsified by some information I just got or a new environment or a new relationship like what actually is happiness that's a it's an interesting answer I, I haven't thought about that so I like and you that. have to have, you have to have both you have to have one to recognize the other so mm-hmm. that you have something to understand the standard from right so there has to be there has to be sadness to recognize happiness and so on and so forth but yeah. you know I go a little, a little deeper with that question I mean I just answered it very generically but Not- you can I'm all for Get deepness. Into long conversation about that. <laughs> no, I'm all for deepness. I, I love getting into the depth of the mind on on this podcast. But I did, <laughs> I do have that theory of the heartbeat. I think I've said it on a, on this podcast before. But you know, our heartbeat does go putum, putum, putum. It is up and down. It's meant to have highs and lows. If it's always on a high and everything's happy, you're going to be flatlining. You're going to be dead. If everything's sad and low and boring and you know miserable, then you're going to be flatlining and you're going to be dead. We're we're meant to have these ups and downs so we can figure this is good compared to this bad or this is bad compared to this this good that recognition the japanese have a word and this is our martial arts uh more martial arts uh you know and that's my training is kyojitsu kyojitsu kyo is uh you know the valleys and the peaks right so when you do an explosive motion and and you know you make contact that's the explosion and from there there's a relapse so there's an explosion and a relax and an explosion and a relax. So that's that's in a generic minor way an explanation of kyojitsu. Oh nice. Kyojitsu. I, I did Shotokan karate for, for years. Um, <laughs> and, and I've been to Japan twice. I love I I really have a lot of respect for the Japanese culture and some of those sayings and, and the meanings behind them I find it really fascinating. So I'll have to what was it again? Kyojitsu. 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 Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Phil. Like peaks and valleys. Big pardon? Like peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys, right. Yeah, I'll have to uh, look into that a little bit more. Thank you very much <laughs> for those wise words. All right, Phil, it's been absolutely amazing. I really, really appreciate your time and sharing your wisdom. I've got a page full of um, wise notes from the sensei that I can take away and try and capitalize on. It's been absolutely amazing. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and thank you for being on episode 10. This is a show, like much like your um, automobile shop, I'm kind of just starting and trying to take action and fail forward and fail fast and uh, grow it into something that can be. So I appreciate you giving me your time in these early days. And uh, Best looking of forward. Thank you. I'm looking forward to where this goes. And uh, hopefully you have an amazing weekend and I will be speaking to you shortly. Thank you. Happy to contribute. Have a great day. Thank you very much. You too. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week. Bye for now. See you, Phil. Cheers.